Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. God is so good. He is so good. I know it's easy to say that, but He is so good. And where would I be without God? Where would you be without Jesus? If you haven't come to that understanding yet, then I'm glad you're here. Because you're in the right place. Whether you're online today or here in person, you're in the right place. Because where would I be without Christ? Where would I be without salvation? Where would I be without the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the powerful fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Where would I be? I hate to think where I would be. But here we are in the book of Acts as a series and we're finding out about how salvation swept through the Middle East. Swept through the known world at that time. Swept through. Salvation was poured out on the planet. And it's never stopped since. (laughs) It's never stopped. The church has forcefully advanced. There have been seasons through history where things were great, good, bad and ugly. But the church of God is victorious. The church of God is powerful. The church of God is the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. The church is the temple of God where God lives. The church is the family of God where our Father is the head of the family. The the church is the body of Christ where Jesus is the head of the body. The church is the bride of Christ where Jesus is the groom of the bride. God loves His church. He died for His church. He died to build His church. He died to strengthen His church. He died that all men might come to the understanding of what salvation is all about to receive Jesus as Lord in order to be grafted in and become part of the church. The church is God's greatest plan. And we're part of that church. When you name Jesus Christ as Lord, you don't just join a physical location. You join the church of Jesus Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The church. The ones who are called out of the world and called to the Father. The church. The church, the word, it doesn't mean group It doesn't mean uh, club. It doesn't mean service. It means the people who are called out and called to God. That's what we're part of. And this series from Acts is, I know it's stirring faith. I know it's stirring. It's stirring expectation in the church. And as we carry on today from last week, last week was a strong week. The devil didn't like it, didn't even go out live stream. That's no coincidence and I'm not somebody to cry attack, attack, attack. But we talked about faith in the name of Jesus. And that's something that people need to hear. We need to hear about faith in the name of Jesus. It is out there now, the word is out there, but it didn't live stream and 
all these sad faces coming back. Where's it gone? So he talked about faith in the name of Jesus, which the emphasis last week was really, what do we do? What do we do? There's authority in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's faith in the name of Jesus. What do we do? Well, we live in the name of Jesus. We, we speak in the name of Jesus. We have faith in the name of Jesus. We use faith like a tool in order to cause God's will to come to pass. So it, it was a strong Sunday. It was about us, really. It was about, come on, what are you doing with your faith? Let's grow our faith. Look at someone say, time for faith. faith. Yeah. But today we're going to carry on Acts chapter 4. Just a couple of verses. I know, you know, as we go through the book of Acts, we could read whole chapters. And in fact, I hope you are going through the whole of the Acts or 20 whatever chapters, 27, 28, 26 chapters. Go through it all. And then read it again, and then again. But we're just going to go to two verses today. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 33. It says this, Now the whole multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Do you remember a couple of Sundays ago, we preached on one heart, one soul. We thought about that, the power of unity. And there wasn't anyone who said, any of the things that he possessed was his own. Wow. (laughs) Okay, let's move right along quickly, shall we? But they had all things in common. Verse 33, And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an amazing statement. They displayed that Jesus was alive. Their lives showed it. And great grace was upon them all. Today I want to speak about the great grace of God. The great, let's all say that. The great grace of God. Let's say it again. The great grace of God. See, last Sunday was really, it's all about us. What do we do? What do we do with our faith? What do we do? How do I build and stir myself up? How do I speak and move mountains? And I've got authority and I've got power and I can declare that which I have, I give in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's our life experience. But today we want to talk about why and how we're able to live like that. And it's because of the great grace of Almighty God. We can live by faith and we can do the works of God because of what God has done for us. In the Bible... This is why there are, so many, there are so many sermon series about grace. <laughs> you can't do grace the justice it needs in one, one sermon today. 
our lives are lived by faith and it's because of grace. So as we touch just a little bit of what grace is all about, I'm believing God that it, it sort of starts something, it stirs something for us in our own lives to dig deeper. Is that okay? To dig deeper. In the Bible, the word grace is used so many times and often it goes alongside another word. So grace and, grace and, grace and. For example, there's grace and mercy. You find that through the Bible. Grace and mercy. In the same verse often, the grace of God and the mercy of God. The grace of God and the mercy of God. And sometimes we, you know, we almost use grace for mercy. But grace and mercy are two very different things. We'll talk about the grace part of it in just a minute, but let's think about what does mercy mean? Well, that means I deserved that, but God did not do that to me. That's mercy. I deserved to go to hell, but God has rescued me from hell. In its essence, that's what mercy is. It's that was supposed to happen, but God said, that is not going to happen. That's the mercy of God. Aren't you thrilled for the mercy of God? Oh, I am so grateful for His mercy towards me. The Bible says He does not treat us as our sins deserve. It's important to always understand that. We are a church and we get that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We get that as He is, so am I in this world. But never forget that it's because of the mercy of God. The mercy of God that was revealed in the cross. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ, a terrible price was paid in order that I don't have to get what I deserved. But somebody got what I deserved and His name is Jesus. The mercy of God. When we come to Christ, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not just, a, oh, I think I'll be religious or I think I'll believe in Jesus. Or, or Even though we have a choice and we choose to receive Jesus as Lord, never forget, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit because of His mercy. Because of His mercy. I didn't deserve it. In, no, sorry, that's the grace part. I did deserve hell. I did deserve hell. But God said, that's not going to happen to Julian Melfi. I'm going to pay a price myself in order to prevent that from happening. That's the mercy of God. There's also grace and grace and favour. Grace and favour. You find those in the Bible. There's grace and mercy often spoken of and grace of favour often spoken of. What is favour? Well, we did a whole series on blessing and favour last year. We spent like 15 weeks on blessed and highly favoured. Anybody remember that? Amazing, that was like a year and a quarter ago. <laughs> Excuse me. What is the favour of God? It's what God does in order to bless us. The favour of God 
opens doors for me. Isn't that good news? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. The favour of God goes before me and makes straight paths. The favour of God makes the crooked places straight. The favour of God means I just find myself in the right place at the right time with the right people. The favour of God says, even though I've done a lot of stuff, I go there and I find out God has already prepared. He's already prepared the business deal before. Even though we do our part, we go and God has already done it. God's already, God's worked ahead of time. That's the favour of God. Aren't you so blessed to have the favour of God upon your life? It's important to be declaring over your life, I'm blessed and highly favoured. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Because of your mercy, I'm favoured. Amen? Amen. I'm favoured. And then finally, just of what grace is often partnered with, grace is often partnered with grace and truth. Grace and truth. And that's really important because grace, as we get into it, (coughs) um, it's like anything really. If you just get hold of one part of a truth, one part of something, you can go off balance. Yeah? If that's all you see and you don't see the rest of it, then you can live a, a skewed life. And sadly, with something like the grace of God that we're going to get into, often people get into a grace that is not helpful. A misunderstanding of what grace is all about. Now, they understand grace, but because they don't get other stuff, then grace puts them into a difficult difficult situation, really. So this is why the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth. Truth. Everybody say favour, mercy, truth. Grace works with all of these. Why grace and truth? Why? Because truth is the Word of God. And as we get hold of grace today, we need to understand that truth is what is the belt around our waist. Truth is what we live by. Truth is the Word of God in all its fullness. So grace goes with truth because grace is a certain aspect of our understanding from God, but we need the fullness of truth in our lives. Grace and truth. Grace and mercy, grace and favour. Favour. So, grace is absolutely vital for the church of Jesus Christ. Absolutely vital. And I know over the last 10, 15 years, there's been a fresh understanding of the grace of God. A lot of people started to preach on grace again, where it hadn't really been heard in certain circles for a long time. We knew about faith. We knew about authority. We knew about power. We knew about the name of Jesus. We knew about our inheritance. We knew about binding and loosing. We knew how, you know, how to move mountains. But it's as if God said, yep, that's wonderful. Now let's bring in some other things. Let's bring grace back. Not that grace ever went. But let's make sure the body of Christ understands these things about grace. And I don't think it's any coincidence that at the very start of the book of Acts, the first few few weeks or months of the book of Acts, you read this 
great power was was shown and revealed through the hands of the apostles and great grace was upon the church. And I want us to get hold of that today. Great power and it's because of great grace and then actually just a couple of verses after this which I'm not going to get into today, it says, and great fear was upon all the people. There was great power. Don't you love the power of God? Oh, the power of God to change lives. The power of God to heal and deliver and set free and to turn the world upside down. We need the power of God through faith in the name of Jesus. Great power, and it's because of great grace, will always lead to great fear. When I say great fear, I'm not going to try and and soften that. The church is a place that God so wants to show himself strong that great fear is upon all the people because of the strength and the glory of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. The church is the city on the hill, the lamp on a lampstand. It is the seat of the authority of God in the earth today in the name of Jesus, the church. As you read through Acts, you find that the church was a feared place. It was feared by those in authority. It was so feared they tried to make laws to shut it down because they feared what the church was doing. Again, I don't want to get into that part of it today. As we go through the book of Acts, we're going to find out how the church stood in a generation. But can you see great power? Because of great grace leading to great fear. It's a progression that I believe we need in the church today. So let's get into this. Firstly, what is great grace all about? What? What is this? What is great grace? For it to say this, for great grace was upon the church. Great grace was upon them all. Well, I just want to point something out really at the very start of this. It says great grace was upon. Upon. That's very significant. Great grace was upon the church. We talk about the anointing of God upon the church. We talk about the glory of God is within us and upon us. We talk about, you see, when things are upon you, it is in order to equip the church to function in a certain way. If something is upon our lives, It's not for personal experience, it's for function. When it talks about faith in, joy in, the boldness of God in, that's for personal equipping, personal experience, personal relationship. But if ever the Bible talks about something is upon the church, it's in order for the whole church to function and move on like this. Are you with me? 
So very early on to say great grace was upon the church, it's going, wow, the church, this is early on because this is how the church functioned. This is what the church could do as a result. So when it says grace is upon, it's because grace is not about just what God thinks about me, just what God thinks about us, just what just God's attitudes towards us. It's far more than that. It's what God gives us in order to fulfill. If something is upon our lives, it's a gift from God for us to function in a certain way. It's what the great grace of God is all about. It is a gift. It's something God gives to us which enables us in a certain way. So what does grace do? Grace empowers us. Grace empowers us. You see, grace is not just an attitude God has towards you. It's something He actually gives us. It empowers me to live a certain way. It enables me, it equips me to live a certain way. Can I say this? Grace saves us. It's a thing. It's something God actually gives. Grace has been provided at a very costly sacrifice in order to give me something that I did not have before. See, we talked about what is the uh, grace and mercy understanding. Well, I deserved that, but God said, you're not going to have that. That's His mercy. What is His grace? You deserve that. You don't have to have that. Here's the grace part. But I'm going to give you this instead. Oh, That's the mercy, that's the grace. One says, I don't receive that. The other says, but I'm gonna give you this. I am so thankful for the grace of God. Grace gives me something that I didn't deserve. I didn't earn it. (laughs) I didn't pay a price for it. It's a gift. God puts grace upon us to live a certain way, to empower me to live a certain way, to enable me to bring salvation, whatever it is. You can throw anything there. Healing, deliverance, abundance, whatever you put in there, it's the gift of God that I did not deserve, but it's the free gift of God that He gives me. That's His grace. Okay, let's think about this. Great grace upon the church, number two. What is the great grace of God upon the church? I've just said this is not just about me as an individual, you as an individual. This is something corporate. The grace of God upon the church. I am so glad that there is a grace upon Citygate Church. See, there's a grace upon the whole of the body. There's a grace upon the local church. There's a grace upon the individual. And all of those things have got to be understood. 
There is a grace for the body of Christ worldwide, but there's a grace for Citygate Church and every other church that there is. And that grace has to do with the particular function that God has called that church to be. Because we're all different. This local church is not that local church. There's a different grace upon it. Now there's the corporate grace because we're the body of Christ. But then there's the individual grace. This is why it's so important to know where is home. Because when you enter into partnership with a local church you are partnering with the grace that is upon that church. This is really important. See, some church, every church must be a worshipping church. Amen? But there's a grace on some churches for worship. What do I mean by that? Oh, does that mean they do it better? No. Does that mean there's more of the Holy Ghost? No. It just means the grace is upon that church to empower that church to affect the world in that area. Are you with me? We're not all always going to produce CDs of the best worship in the world. Hello? And this is where people get into competition. Ah, let's, let's do that. Let's do what they do. No, it's a grace upon them. It may not be a grace upon us. Are you understanding this? There are other churches we are all called to prosper. Every believer, God has paid the price. He became poor that we might become rich in the context of a financial two chapters. It's not talking about spiritually, it's talking about stuff, things. We're all called to prosper, but there are some churches that have a grace to prosper. What does that mean? They have more? No. That God's going to give them more? No. It means they are empowered in order to affect the world with that particular grace. Are you with me? This is really important. We're all called to resist the devil and he will flee. All of us. But there are some places with a grace, and I use this term, a grace for spiritual warfare. And you go to that church and you walk in and you go, wow, I can feel here that they are really pushing back the darkness. Now, does that mean to say that anybody else doesn't? No, not at all. It's an equipping on the corporate situation. Are you with me? Let's talk about healing. By His stripes, we were all healed. That's that's the general grace to all of us. God's given healing to everybody. God's given authority to everybody. God's given faith to everybody. Every believer can move mountains. Every believer can prosper. Every believer can be baptised with the Holy Ghost. Every believer can prophesy. All of that is for every believer, but there are particular graces on a particular church in order to function in the world and to show the world and and to... and to turn the world upside down with the grace upon that church. So we're all called by His stripes, we were healed. But there are some churches with a grace for healing. Are you with me? So this is really important that we understand this. This is also why it's important that the whole body of Christ works together. We need one another. I'm not talking about in this room, I'm talking about across the world. We need one another. There is a grace on every church that is God-ordained 
to do what that church is called to do, heaven forbid that we divide off. Because they've got the grace for this and we've got the grace for that. And we all need to work together and then everything's covered. Can I hear an amen this morning? I love the body of Christ in all its flavours, in all its styles. Doesn't mean to say I fit with it all. I fit alongside it all, but I fit here. Are you with me? Because of the grace that is upon the church. The Apostle Paul had his partner church. Now he had loads of churches that he went round and he visited all the churches and he wrote to all the churches and then John had his churches and Peter had his churches. There were churches all over the place that they sort of spoke into. But there was one church that the Apostle Paul said, that is my partner church. And that's the book of Philippians, the church at Philippi. And we're gonna cover that in the book of Acts at some point when they praised God at midnight and the prison doors flew open and the jailer was just about to top himself. And they said, no, we're all here. He went, oh, phew. And then he and all his household got saved and a revival broke out and the church at Philippi exploded. And even though that was not Paul's first church, that was his partner church. That's where the grace was. And he was really clear. He said this in the book of of, Philippians, Philippians chapter one, it is a partner letter. It's from fathers to sons. It's, it's from the pastor. There was a, a pastor there, but he said, you are partners of my grace. What's upon me is upon that church. Very, very powerful thing. And I'm not dealing with that today. But I want you to see that this thing of grace is on the church. There is a grace upon the church for us all to flow. It may not be your personal gift, but if it's a grace upon the church, partner with it. You with me? Okay. So the great grace upon the church is about oneness of spirit, heart to heart, with body, with family, together in the local church. It's the... It's the agreement and the oneness of the faith, which has to do with all going in the same direction. (laughs) Can I just say that has been up there since our 25th anniversary two years ago. These things, they fly around. It's a sign. God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. It's the oneness of the faith, which is we're all going in the same direction. There's a strength. There's a corporate faith. I love, I love this verse from Thessalonians. When he's going, I rejoice and I pray. And there's this this great testimony that your corporate faith grows exceedingly. Wow. That's the grace of faith on the body. This is a place of faith. Even if you're struggling personally, and I'm not talking about in the faith, but in that spirit of faith, in the name of Jesus, on the Word of God, there's a grace for faith here that can pull you up. There's a faith here. There's an abundance here. There's an explosive praise in this place. It's grace upon the church. 
And our faith together causes us to go in the same direction and there's a strength in that grace. Every church has got a grace and it's strong in that area. Partner with the grace. It's a corporate strength. Number three, what does great grace mean to me? What does this mean? So there's a grace from God and it's that God gives me something to empower me, gives us something to empower us. There's great grace upon the church. But what does this mean to me? What does great grace mean to me? What does it mean to you? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just a couple of verses here, 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul says, For I'm the least of the apostles, whom not worthy to be called an apostle, Because I persecuted the church of God. But, Christians, we got to hear this but. I'm weak in my flesh, but I can't do this, but. I don't deserve this, the Apostle Paul said. But, this is a really important issue here. I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God. (laughs) But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I laboured more abundantly than everyone else, than they all, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. The Apostle Paul understood what grace is all about. Grace is not God's attitude towards me. There is a why God does something involved in grace but it's more about what he gives us in spite of what we deserved. Now, if all we get is in spite of what we deserved, we're going to be unbalanced in our understanding of grace. So there's the, there's the understanding in grace that says, I don't deserve this. It's unmerited completely. But that's only one part of what grace is all about. The other part of grace is, I didn't deserve it, But God has done this. But God has given this. And this is why you tend to get, you know, even in this, a couple of of ends of the body of Christ, you get all the ones, (coughs) excuse me, the ones who say, I don't deserve this. I don't, oh God, I'm just unworthy. I'm just unworthy. I just don't deserve it. I just don't deserve it. Oh God, I'm just unworthy. Oh God, I'm just unworthy. I'm just a worm. How can you even look at me? I don't even know if I I can come into your presence because I just don't deserve it. And that's, that's like that end of it. And the other end is, I've got it all. I've got it all. I've got it all. God's empowered me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's no thought of, I don't deserve it. There's the two ends. And it's so important that we see both ends. And that we love both ends. I, you see, if you ever, ever lose sight of the, I don't deserve this, then you've forgotten about the mercy of God. 
And we must never, never lose sight of the mercy of God. I don't deserve this. In fact, what God's mercy says is, I deserved that. I've been kept from that. And now God's given me something I didn't deserve, but I've got it anyway. I've got it anyway. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All my righteousness was as filthy rags, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I have preached myself happy. Man, what is this grace? This is not a doctrine to me. I know what I've got and I know I didn't deserve it, but I've got it anyway. I've got this great gift of salvation. I didn't win it, I didn't deserve it, but I am saved, hallelujah. I'm saved. I deserved the curse, which is sickness and poverty and disease and wretched life. But because of His grace, (laughs) He healed me anyway, so I'm healed today. I didn't deserve it, but I got it, hallelujah. I've got it. Now, never lose sight, you didn't earn it, but I've got it. And I love the Apostle Paul. I'm the least of the apostles I was the worst. I, 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 don't, I didn't deserve any of this, but I know who I am. And he introduced himself every epistle, an apostle of God by the grace of God, an apostle of God, a winner, a healed person, a prospered person, a person full of peace and righteousness by the grace of How do you introduce yourself this morning? Do you introduce yourself as, oh, I'm the worm, oh, but by the, no, hallelujah, you're the child of Almighty God by the grace of God. He's given you the grace of God by, and in that grace is your inheritance. What does this mean to me? I know who I am. Didn't deserve it? Got it anyway. (laughs) Oh man, how am I going to preach this twice? (laughs) Grace supercharges my natural ability with his supernatural ability. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, there's a list of things that are called the grace, the graces. There's the grace of faith. See, I know what my faith can do, but I know He gave it to me. It's the grace of faith, but it's my faith now. You're getting this? It's my faith that can move mountains, but He gave it to me, and I didn't deserve it. It's not just, hey, you're super at faith and wow, yeah, look at this, faith, 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 faith. No, he gave it to me, so I'm gonna use it. It's his faith. You know what he did with his his faith? Let there be light. (laughs) I said to Sharon and to Sally this morning, I said, look at her bounce. And it was a lady on the front row and she just bounces praising God sitting over there. That's what I feel like on the inside today, bouncing. Like Tigger. Oh. What faith will do. It's not my faith. 
He gave it to me, so it's become mine, so I'm going to use it the way He used it. That's grace. There's the grace of faith. There's the grace of speech. It's all there in 2 Corinthians. The grace of speech. There is a grace for your mouth to be hooked up with your spirit. You got me? Partner with it. Don't speak out your flesh. Speak out of your spirit. There's a grace of speech. There's a grace of understanding. There's a grace of of being committed to something. These are all graces there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There's a grace. Oh, this is one we need in the world today. We need all of these graces. The grace of God. You know what this one is? Love for people. That's a grace. On the way here today, we were, we were behind some traffic and this guy came up behind us. I wasn't driving. This was a test for my son. And this car that was obviously having problems, let's put it that way, there were, there were cars coming towards us and we were going and we were in about a queue of three or four traffic, you know, three or four. And, and this car behind us overtook us really, really badly. Could have killed people. It was like that. Overtook us and jammed in front of us. There's a grace for that. Yes. <laughs> I won't tell you what it is, but no, there's, there's, there's a grace for that. And then... This was interesting. There was all this oncoming traffic and the guy did it again. Overtook the guy in front of us. He had to swerve so much, he just missed hitting the curb and, 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 and having a crash. So this guy overtook a guy. I didn't see what it was. <laughs> but I know. The one doing the 28 mile an hour at the front, that was probably a lady. <laughs> now I'm only joking. Oh, go on, go on. But I know this was a bloke. <laughs> Come on, you got to laugh. I'm going to prod some of this stuff because the world gets offended yeah. at these. So I'm going to keep pushing it. All right, that's just, just so you know. It's important because humour is humour. And if we lose it, we lose everything. So anyway, so this, this guy... He, he overtook me, and then he did it, over, overtook the next one, and he almost hit the curb. I mean, he had to swerve out the way. The cars coming towards had to swerve, and so he, cracked, you know, he went in front, and then the guy who, who almost hit the curb obviously got stirred up. So he overtook, and he, and he almost rammed this guy. It was exciting on the way to church this morning. Come on. Almost rammed this guy, and I mean it. They, they sort of... It, it, Almost hit, it was inches. We were just behind all of this. And they were like, come on, there's a grace to love people. There's a grace to love people when they do something nasty to you. Oh, I've got a love from the inside. Yes, love is a gift from God that you have. He has already poured his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We can love because he has graced me with love. He's graced me with it. It's not me loving from my flesh. It's the gift he's given me. I didn't deserve it. What I did deserve was hell. But the mercy of God said, you don't have to have that. I'm going to give you love in order to love people. So love people with the gift of love that you've been graced with. Is this good? 
There's a grace for it. Love for people. What else is there? The grace of. The grace of generosity, giving. Very clear in the Bible, there's a generosity grace. God is generous. He's given you the ability to be generous. Let's walk in the grace of giving. Walk in the grace of faith. Walk in the grace of speech. Walk in the grace of understanding. Walk in the grace of, 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 of strong commitment and not give up, which is there. The grace of giving. And there's a grace for soul winning. Aren't you glad you don't have to get them saved? But you've got a gift to see people come to Christ. It's called the grace of soul winning. Hallelujah. What does having an understanding that God supercharges my natural ability? You see, I can go further. Let's say I've got a gift with, with kids. Kids work. His grace supercharges that gift. Let's say you've got a, a gift with admin. God's grace will supercharge that gift. Make sure you draw on the grace of God for what it is that God has given you. Number four, finally. How do we live every day under the great grace of God? Remember, this is grace upon. Well, let's just go back to 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can I say it like this? By the grace of God, I can do what I do. By the grace of God. Not just because God treats me that way. He's empowered me with something. It's an equipping. It's an enabling. I could go to the thorn in Paul's flesh. He said, oh God, you get rid of the devil. You get rid of the devil. He said, you've got my grace. You do it. I've empowered you to resist him. You go do it. But he kept going back to God. Oh God, will you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? God said, hadn't you learned anything, Paul? It doesn't matter about your flesh. You've got my grace. And my grace empowers you. Empowers you to be what you can't be on your own. But listen to this. But it's, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. His grace towards me was not in Vain. Now that tells me that it could be in vain. What does that mean? God's given you a gift and you don't use it. Wouldn't it be tragic to stand before God and God said, you've always had the grace to cast out demons. You've always had the grace to heal the sick. You've always had the grace to prosper. You've always had the grace to speak. You've always had the grace to move mountains, but you didn't do anything with it. What did you do with it? Oh, well, I thought that was a gift. No, everybody's got the grace of God. Everybody's got the grace of all the fullness of the inheritance that was won by Jesus Christ. Make sure his grace is not in vain. Not in vain because it, it's clear here, it was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than everybody. Not me, but the grace of God that I had. He almost talks about these two things. There's me and the grace. And it's the grace that operates. The grace is the gift to me and it's, and it's the grace of God in my life. It's the grace of God in my life. Not me, but the grace. The grace of God is wonderful. Can I say this? I need the grace of God every day. I need the grace of God. Not God's attitude towards me, what he's given me. 
I need it every day to live this life. I need the grace of God. Even Jesus had the grace of the Father upon his life. The Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 2. Great grace was upon Jesus. Even Jesus needed grace. Why? Because he was a natural man. He needed the supernatural power of God. That was the grace of God for Jesus. Look what he did with it. Look what he did with the grace. It's this enabling, it's this equipping from the Father to do what we need to do. Jesus needed it, I need it more. Hebrews chapter four, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace. You see that? Mercy and grace from the throne of grace to help in a time of need. See, the grace has been given, but we still need to receive it. We come with a boldness to the throne of grace. Once a year, once a month, when things go really bad. You see, you can almost read that, and heaven forbid that we do. When things are really bad, we go to God. When things are really bad, oh God, I need your grace. We need his grace every day. I need his grace to be a husband. Hello? It's very quiet in this place today. I need his grace to be a husband because on my own, I fail. Sharon needs his grace to be a wife. I would never dream to say without it, Sharon would fail. I'll let her say that. But we need the grace of God. I need the grace of God to be a dad. I need the grace of God to be a pastor. I need the grace of God to lead people to Christ. I need the grace of God. You see, last week, I've got the faith to do anything. Boom. But he gave me that faith as a grace. So therefore, don't I, keep to need, don't I need to keep coming back to the throne of grace every day? Not just when things are bad, but every day, I don't want to live in my own ability. I want to live in his ability. Oh, I hope you're getting something out of this this morning needs to be received by faith. We're a faith church. That's, uh, that's part of the grace upon our lives. What does faith do? Believes it receives. Make sure you go to the throne of grace by faith. We're not going there crying and going, oh God, I don't do that. Well, no. There's times to repent, of course, but it's not, oh God, I just don't deserve this. No, thank you God. At this throne of grace, there's everything you've ever given. And I believe I receive it today. Whatever I need to do today, whether you've got a business meeting, whether you've got a, a mountain to move, whether you're going on holiday, whatever it is, God, thank you today. I receive grace for every minute of today for me to be able to function like Christ in the earth. Hallelujah. I receive grace every day. Whatever the need is, I receive grace for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Have faith in the grace. Can I just say, this is not a license to sin. Oh, I just go off and do whatever I want to do and then come back, but I've got the grace of God. You know, he, I didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. Now that's a nasty attitude. 
You know what the Bible says about that? The grace of God teaches us to deny sin. That's a paraphrase, but that's what it says. To say no to worldliness and, and, and sin and nastiness. The Bible doesn't say grace enables me to do that. It says grace teaches me to do that. I do that by faith. I resist the enemy by faith. I resist temptation by faith. But it's because grace has given me something and, t- and is teaching me on a daily basis. When we go to the throne of grace, let His grace teach us. As we close and we're, I know I've already covered this a few times, but how do we live under this daily great grace of God? Can I, can I just say it those, like this? Do not boast in your own ability. Just like if ever anything happens, I sort of say this, that's the favour of God. That's the favour of God. When they say, oh man, you did that well or whatever, that's the grace of God. Because if ever I start to have faith in my own ability, (whistles) grieving, quenching, resisting the spirit of grace. And I'm left with just me. That's not good. No offence, but you don't want to be left with just you. You want to live under the grace of God. Don't boast in your own ability. Hey, you did that really well. Thank you. It's by the grace of God. By the grace of God. That's not like, I didn't deserve it, but I don't know. It's like, no, he's equipped me to do this. He's equipped me to do this. Whether that's in your job, in your marriage, as a, as a parent. And finally, what do we do? How do we live under this, under this great grace of God every day? We make sure we're giving it away. If God's empowered me with something, it's in order to bless somebody else. The grace of God is not in vain, but I labored in order to bless What grace do you carry? What grace do we carry? Let's make sure we go to the throne, obtain it every minute of every day. Thank you, God, for equipping me to do what I need to do today. I put my faith in it. Now, how can I bless others with it? In Jesus' name. Do you get anything out of that? Wonderful. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? Perhaps you're here today and you've never received the grace of God. You've never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Christian life is a life being set free by His mercy and being given His grace. Can I ask you today, have you ever received, without anybody moving around please, this is the most important part of this service. If you are here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord, You've never said, God, will you save me? Will you come into my life and set me free? Perhaps you've never received his forgiveness. You're still carrying around guilt and shame. Perhaps you don't know you're free. Perhaps you don't know you have eternal life in Christ. Perhaps you're hoping one day you might get there. His grace says, you know what? Salvation has been provided. 
And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord, or perhaps you know you need to come back to the throne of grace right now. With every eye closed and every head bowed, this is, this is such an important moment. You're not here by accident. God loves you. He's held out his hand towards you this morning and say, will you be part of my family? Will you receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Will you receive forgiveness from sin? Will you receive the gift of grace into your life today that says, you're now a child of Almighty God? With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you here today, either a first-time decision, perhaps you're online, perhaps you're here in this in this room, a first-time decision, or you know you need to come back to God. Say, God, I need to receive your grace afresh and get back into this life in relationship with God. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in this auditorium right now, please. To receive Jesus as Lord for the first time or to come back to God. If that's you here today, please, please, please indicate, come back to God. Online, will you respond today? If you're here today and say, Jesus, I want you, please be my Lord and my Saviour. Come into my life. Make me a brand new person. Wonderful. Let's all pray this prayer together. And those online, let's say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. I receive Jesus as Lord. Make me a brand new person. I turn away from the way I've lived. Apart from you, I receive eternal life as I receive Jesus as my Lord, my Saviour, and my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise today, shall we?